All right, so welcome to the first episode of our yet-to-be-named podcast. Um, I'm Michael. I'm here with Ty. We're going to be co-hosting, mostly discussing NBA, uh, which is, you know, it's a great time to be discussing the NBA with the draft, free agency, and trade season upon us. So uh, we're going to get right into it. One thing I want to clear up, just for anybody who's listening, is who our allegiance is to, just so we can get those biases out of the way. So I'm a Laker fan, and I'm a Raptors fan, so if you hear me talking favorably about either of those two teams, you know why. Uh, Ty, who, who do you support? My allegiance lies with the uh, the crosstown rivals, I suppose. And then obviously a good old Canadian boy got to support the Raptors yeah, through everything. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer. So. Yeah. So, so now that that's out of the way, maybe... Maybe we can start there. We were just talking about the the Raptors kind of offline. Uh, what do you think of their off season so far, and like what are your expectations for them going into twenty twenty one? I mean, a lot of different variables definitely play in. I think um, obviously addressing the uh, uh, the departures, um, losing your your entire front court, uh, arguably. A uh, big part of your heart and soul, uh, Sergi Baca, and then most recently today, um, uh, Marcus All. We literally found out uh, about an hour ago, yeah. I guess, um, yeah. that he's decided to go to La La Land. Um, <clears throat> but I think some interesting moves uh, in terms of bringing guys in. Um, Aaron Baines uh, coming in on a couple years. Um, Important got- to mention with that, it is a team option for the second year, which I don't think the Raptors will sign to anybody beyond this year outside of Fred Van Vliet and, right. you know, um, Pascal Siakam. So, yeah, with, with how much is looming next year, free agency, I mean, as we see every single year in the NBA, you know, you never know what, what, uh, what player is going to opt to stay, to go, whatever. I mean, we saw with Dwight Howard, even the tweets in yeah, 20 yeah, minutes before funny. he decides to sign somewhere that's else. Funny. So I think I'm a little bit concerned as a Raptor fan and, you know, I trust Masai with my life literally, but it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of, a lot of eggs to put in one basket, let's say, if you're swinging for the fences with Giannis and you miss, right? Because it's, it's no secret. That's why they want all this cap space. That's why they're not making trades. That's not why they're signing free agents. So what does that mean for the Raptors if they don't get Giannis? Like, where are they at next season? Because I'm not confident that Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam are going to lead you to the promised land, you know? So... Yeah, and that's, I mean, you made an interesting point, too, uh, just a couple minutes before we started, too. I mean, the the very real op- opportunity or um, scenario where Kyle Lowry may, uh, may be part of a, a move this year if they're not at a place where they want to become that midseason trade deadline for sure uh, um, situation. So, I mean, it, it would leave them in a very peculiar spot if, if Giannis really isn't in the cards. I think right now it, it seems like a long shot as is. Um, and, I mean, with the moves that the Bucks have been making, too, I, I don't truly believe right now that the Raptors are in a super favorable position in terms of the Giannis sweepstakes. And I think that they need to kind of – I think they're at a bit of a crossroads right yeah. now, to be honest. I, I want to say that, and, you know, like we don't have any information. Otherwise, anything is just skepticism or, you know – optimism depending on what side you're on but if i'm the bucks fan or a bucks fan i'm a little bit concerned with how that bogdan bodanovich trade went through or failed to go through because leading up to that everyone was talking about how good friends Giannis and and bogdanovich are and you know their communication and desire to play together 
a part of me believes that Giannis spoke to him and said that I'm not signing this extension. I don't know where I'm going to be at next year. And I don't want to rope you in if, you know, I can't commit to you. Right. That's a guy that's clearly due for some money too. So it's a big big move to him for him to make to to either stay or to go. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting point for sure. So I, I, again, that could just be me grasping at straws as a Raptor fan, holding out hope that, you know, Giannis isn't committed to the Bucks. But you have to like what the Bucks are doing if you're a Bucks fan, even if it's just for this year with Giannis under contract. They have a really good shot at winning a championship with the roster that they have. I know a lot of people are upset with how much they had to give up for Drew Holiday, but to me, if that puts you in a position to compete for a title, you make that trade nine times out of ten. And even more so if that puts you in a position to re-sign Giannis, then again, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think like that's that was a bit of a a little bit of a glaring issue, I think, for the Bucks in terms of that um, that backcourt. Um, I think they've yeah. completely shored that up now. I mean, you have the departure of Eric Bledsoe and stuff. I think that's more than okay. And you bring in a guy like Drew, yeah, um, yeah. and that's that is like I think that's a clear message to Giannis. Like, hey, they, at the They're very serious. least, you're here another year. We're we're very serious about trying to make this thing work. Yeah. Um, and give it another another shot because I mean, all intents and purposes, that team is is probably top three on every every power ranking going into this yeah. year. So I mean, who do you really put in front of them? Like I know the the popular options are going to be the Clippers and the Lakers, and then you know maybe the Nets. I can't have that much confidence in the Nets, having never seen them play a game together. Because right. as we saw with the Clippers this past season, it's not as easy as just putting two superstars on your roster, and and you know that's going to be enough to get the to get the job done so right. um, with them I, I prefer to take the patient approach just to see where they're at and how they, they match together especially if they're looking at getting James Harden because to me that's 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 a lot of ego and a lot of you know ball dominant players on, on the same team yeah. so I'm not I'm not really all that confident that they're going to be able to you know all be on the same page if, if I'm a Nets fan I'm more than happy with what they have right now. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're going to if you're going to look at this roster right now, you go KD, Kyrie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris resigned. You got yeah. DeAndre Jordan, Michael Beasley, guys that didn't opt into the bubble uh, yeah. or anything like that um, that we didn't see. You see the emergence of, of other players in in their place uh, with uh, Luwawu, um, yeah. guys like that. I mean, yeah. this he roster was, he played stacked. really well in the playoffs against the yeah. Raptors. I was impressed. This this and roster. Like, if stacked. I'm if I'm the Nets, when you look at what you would have to give up to get a James Harden, like you know, Karis Levert's gone, probably Spencer Dinwiddie, whatever first round picks they have available, probably probably Jared Allen as well. Like, is that really worth it for a guy who I believe he's thirty one? You know coming up on 32 i i don't necessarily think that puts them in a better position to win a championship in the near term and i think that really doesn't set them up for success in the long term so uh if i'm what's his name sean marks i'm probably staying away from that unless you can have him on the cheap and if that's the case then you know maybe you pull the trigger on that i don't know yeah i think as i mean it's also such an interesting uh such an interesting situation as um a Houston, a Houston uh, Rockets um, manager at this general manager at this point is like, I mean, you got two stars essentially involved. Your two biggest stars involved in trade rumors every day. It seems like there's a new, mm-hmm. a new offer, a new suitor out there. I mean, I'd, I'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that wouldn't be interested in an All Star in some capacity being available. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at what point are you like? 
I'd love to do as much as I can for you, but I mean, at the same time, this is our business. Team this first. is our yeah, team. Sure. Like it's yeah. the Houston Rockets. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you guys handouts and do you favors if it means sacrificing like, our franchise, right? Right I mean, now, neither of those guys have leverage. Like Westbrook, no. his contract, you can only really trade him realistically for John Wall. Right. Like those. those that's. I don't see any other possible. They've already traded him for Chris Paul once. That's not happening again in terms of contracts matching up. It's going to be really difficult to find someone. I mean, the Knicks have the cap space to, to do something like that, and you know they might be the most realistic option outside of the Wizards. But um, I guess John Wall too wanting out of out of Washington. That's kind of interesting. Uh, there's been rumors for a long time that him and Bradley Beal weren't really seeing eye to eye. And I think it's probably best for both of them just in terms of style of play that they go their separate ways. But I'd be curious to see if they can trade his contract because, again, that's that's a ridiculous amount of money for a guy who's coming off, you know, not having played in almost two seasons. And, you know, what what team's going to want to take that risk for a guy? I think he has still three years left on that massive contract. So. Yeah. I think the John Wall scenario screams New York Knicks to me. I don't know about you. I like yeah. that's. I mean, I've... If you're the Knicks, who would you rather have on your roster? Would you want Russell Westbrook or would you want John Wall? Because in terms of style of play, in terms of productivity, they are quite similar. It's just a matter of who you want to take the chance on. I yeah. think like you take the chance on just Russ being a wild card every night or yeah. you take the chance on a guy that hasn't played for two years. I mean, neither are ideal. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, yeah, especially the John Wall scenario, I just it just screams the, the Knicks to me. I think yeah. like that, that organization is just starving to do something for their fans to give them something yeah. to be excited about to yeah. start filling the garden again night in night out with like engaged fans i mean it's i mean they, they don't have trouble scenario. filling out the garden but you want right. like you know it's it's no secret that knicks fans for the last i mean let's say since since mellow left however long ago that was they they've been itching for a team that they can rally behind yeah. uh, and so far the front office hasn't done much to put a quality product out on the court um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the trigger on something like that. To me, it almost makes sense for them to do that. Who else are they going to be paying this money to, right? They can sign four or five power forwards for $15 million a year like they did last year, but I, I don't think that's uh, that's really pleasing anybody or no. putting you in a position to, to win any meaningful game. So. No, you're going you're gonna to fill the garden regardless. I think you, you yeah. want to create that buzz again. You want to create the, the sure. buzz that the hometown kid Mello had going with guys like J.R. Smith. It's just yeah. exciting to come watch the Knicks every night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see, I think, when Bradley Beal kind of declared his – his loyalty to the Washington Wizards, I think it was mm -hmm. pretty much like closing the book for John Wall. I mean, like you said, we kind of knew that those two weren't necessarily seeing eye to eye. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that scenario plays out. And there's a lot of names on this market still available. And yeah. there's, I mean, what about a team like OKC? I mean, they're stocking up all these draft picks. I mean, who's to say that they don't make a crazy run at a guy like James Harden or something for a bunch of you know futures, what? you know? Imagine that reunion, James yeah. Harden back to OKC. I know. And he'd fit pretty well with them. Yeah. That's that's curious. I actually I hadn't thought of that scenario before, but that is yeah. that is fascinating. Um, it's tough to see James Harden signing off on something like that because it's you know OKC isn't necessarily a contender. Right. Though if you put James Harden on most teams, they turn into contenders. Yeah. So curious though, curious for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, you talk about teams that could do it. I mean, yeah, the for sure they they the have the assets. The them the Pelicans. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans tried to make a play for it. I mean, the Pelicans are probably my favorite scenario right now, just in the sense that, like, 
they have a roster that can win right now, and they yeah. also have assets. all of the assets yeah. necessary to make either a move at a deadline. They have the assets to, if they want to keep them. Yeah. If their team's performing, I mean, they're going to draft well for how many years now? Like, I mean, you got everything you want there, I think, right now. Even yeah. even losing Drew Holiday and, and Anthony Davis in the last couple of years, I mean, you got definition of a good young core. You, yeah. got, a, you got a blooming star. You got guys that know their role. You got a, a guy that... Was he, you know, he wasn't six man. Of the year. He was, uh, people were talking about him six man of the year or most improved or whatever for, um, not six man, but most improved Brandon Ingram. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, that's a sure. guy that uh, he, he, I think, as Michael Jordan would say, <laughs> the ceiling is the roof. That <laughs> yeah, guy, <but>. for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's an exciting time. You I have think, to be a Pelican, yeah. Pelican, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely keep them in mind as the season rolls on in terms of players on the trade market. And even just in terms of free agent acquisitions, because I'm curious to see what happens with Brandon Ingram. I'm surprised that that contract hasn't been settled as of yet. But, you know, maybe neither parties are really in a rush to get that done. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, always you got to consider every option, I guess. So you come off a year like he had. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't. That's that's a max yeah. contract, right? 100%. Like if De'Aaron Fox is getting a max contract, then 100%. it makes sense to me that Brandon Ingram would. Absolutely. Right. I hope that the Pelicans aren't waiting to see if somebody, you know, offers him a, a contract and just kind of matches that. Yeah. That would be disappointing. Just show him the loyalty, show yeah. him the love, and yeah. then he'll... Which I, I do trust David Griffin to do that. I think he's done a really good job so far, so I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past him. Um, I want to circle back to the Wizards here for a second uh, and just talk about the contract that they gave uh, Davis Bertans. I know you were a little bit surprised with that. Um, I was a little bit, but at the end of the day, what you're seeing in free agency is shooters getting paid. Yeah, 100%. You know, Joe Harris getting four years, $75 million, <clears throat> like nearly $20 million a year for for a guy that nobody really knew about up until last season. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy to think what happens when you can hit a three ball. So um, I, the Wizards paying that much money for him is kind of a surprise because they weren't competitive. And I don't think having him on their roster makes them any more competitive. So to commit that much money to a guy, you know, and that many seasons to a guy who isn't going to influence winning as much as you would expect for, from someone winning or earning that amount of money is a little bit surprising. Um, but maybe they have a few tricks up their sleeves with the, you know, the John Wall thing. But yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting... I, it caught me off guard in the sense that, I mean... I didn't. I think it's maybe the money. The money's just surprising me everywhere. I mean, like you said, shooters shooters are getting paid, and I mean, a guy like Joe Harris, the Nets made it very clear that they wanted to, they wanted to work and do whatever they could to to ensure that he want, he came back with this group, and um, he was kind of like their dead eye, and or oh, one I guess of many now, but like you know, he's he's he knows his role, and that's a guy that's going to be a selfless player. But I mean, it's it's crazy like seeing that number and then to see. This number for Bertans run into. I mean, it's, even Danilo too, like three yeah. years, sixty million, and he like twenty million a season. If you're a Raptors fan and you look at the Fred VanVleet contract, yeah. you have to be ecstatic if you're comparing it to the rest of these guys because yeah. uh, he's younger for one, and he can do more than just shoot the ball. Not to mention the fact that he shot you know nearly forty percent from three last season. Yeah. But that's a guy who plays tough defense, can make plays for other players, like you know. I, and he's a winner. He's a proven winner. So you can't really, you can't ask for better value. I think out of a contract, definitely. And I don't think really anybody's complaining about that contract. 
it, it seems like a fair value for the team and fair value for the players. So hats off to Bobby and Masai for getting that done. It would have really sucked if we lost Fred Van Vliet on top of losing Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. I don't know how Raptors fans would have coped with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of said from the jump, I, I didn't... My my hunch was the Raptors secured him. Um, I think whatever else happened, that was going to be the one that they retained. Um, yeah. And I'm happy that it ended that way. Yeah. I think in, in regards to this Bertans thing, I mean, you, you got a guy that's hitting almost four threes a game, but... That's really all he's doing. He, he's averaging 15 and a half a game. If four of those, four, if he's in four threes a game, it means he's going to the line maybe once, twice. Like, Yo, yeah. Is he really. He's not scoring really. He's not like a three level scorer. That's right. It. He's, I don't want to say he's a one trick pony, but he's not creating shots off the dribble for himself. He's more or less a catch and shoot player. Yeah. Is which, this... you know, you need those around Bradley Beal and, you know, John Wall if he, if he ends up there. But to commit that amount of money. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I just think it, it hinders their flexibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. don't think that he's making uh, whatever it is, $20 million a year contribution night in, yeah. night out to the Washington yeah. Wizards and, like, where they need to be, like, contributing to where they need to be. So that that one surprised me. Yeah. I, I know that you said kind of shooters were getting paid, and that's a very valid point. But you, ex- you expect that from a championship-caliber team, mm-hmm. right? Like, if the Houston Rockets paid him that amount of money... I wouldn't bat an eye, right? Because that would make sense. You surround him with guys that are going to get him the ball, guys that draw double teams. But, like, Washington, who else do they have? It's, it doesn't look good. I mean, there's, there's no there's no scenario where I'm seeing the Washington Wizards name come across my screen and I'm like, oh, they're doing good things right yeah. now. You know, yeah. I mean, like, sure, they're throwing numbers out there, but... Like, they're I mean, paying a lot of people a lot of money, but it's yeah. not going to translate into wins, or at least it hasn't up to this point, and I don't really see them turning the corner anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but who knows, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I do like Bradley Beal a lot. I think he's a heck of a player. Uh, a part of me is kind of concerned... I know people kind of viewed him as a snub for the All-Star and All-NBA teams and things like that. But when you're a good player putting up good numbers on a bad team, that doesn't mean a whole lot, right? Like, yeah. I would much rather take... I can trust Fred Van Vliet putting up 17-7 and seven or whatever he was putting up last year. I'll take that because I know he's playing on a competitive team. I know they're winning over, you know, Bradley Beal, who's putting up... 30 and 6 or whatever it is for for the Washington Wizards but they're losing 50 60 games a season right yeah all all it tells me is i mean the ball is in that guy's hands all exactly the time. it's just usage right i mean i think you give <clears throat> if you're if you're putting the ball in the hands of your best player um, on whatever team it is, I think like they're probably going to do a pretty efficient job at, at getting their twenty to thirty points a game if yeah. they're touching the ball, like yeah. to be begin or end every single possession. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. uh, anybody in the NBA that's getting enough <laughs> enough shots is going to hit. Good you know what I mean? Yeah. Game. yeah, for sure. So it's it's an interesting thing for sure. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, I think that the Washington Wizards could take uh, could take a page out of uh, the Pelicans book or, or something like that, and and just really try to if they're. I think they just need to really assess their situation and see, like, hey, we're just not it right now. Like, how can yeah. we How can we look forward, you know? so. Yeah, like, I, I totally agree. I don't know if in Bradley Beal's career they will be competitive enough. Which is unfortunate for him, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it is. But I think they need to look themselves in the mirror and kind of realize that and think, well, maybe we should look at trying to get 
as many assets as possible for Bradley Beal and John Wall. The, the thing with John Wall is it's going to be tough, right? Like, yeah. you, I don't know if you win that trade because you need to, somebody to take on that contract, right. which is not going to be easy. Right. right. With Bradley Beal, at least, you can trade him and you're going to get assets for Bradley Beal. Like, he's a hot commodity mm-hmm. in the NBA, right? Yeah. Everybody wants Bradley Beal on the team. I know the Raptors were looking at it. The Heat have been talking about it for a long time. So you can get quality return for Bradley Absolutely. Beal, where I don't think you're getting anything close to that for, for John Wall. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't see John Wall's play style being overly attractive to a ton of teams based on what they already have at that position right now, too. Especially the way he plays could be potentially hindered so much by missing two straight years now of basketball. Yeah. I mean, that guy's running probably game pace and in reps and training and practice and that sort of thing. But, I mean, you really don't get that. You don't get that same feel until you're in those games. And, like, this yeah. is a guy that has one speed. Like, he has one speed yeah. and it is straight to the rim he's he's gonna go full bore and like you know that that's he, he's gonna try to rely on his athleticism it's something that just begs the question like yeah. with injuries like this getting for further sure. into especially your that injury yeah. and like you said for he's he's been in the league 10 years now mm-hmm. right who who have we really seen recover from an achilles injury especially that late in their career and come out on the other side of it being the same type of athletic monster that john wall was pre-injury right like yeah. And for someone whose game is so reliant on their athleticism and their speed, because it's not like he's the most fundamentally sound, skilled person, right? It's it, it's it's like what Russell Westbrook. They, they have right. very similar pace styles, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I hope he does well. Hopefully, he's worked on his jump shot and his time off, because that would really be a difference maker for him. Yeah. But um, to kind of shift gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about the the Charlotte Hornets. And, and what they've done so far this offseason. I kind of like it. I know a lot of people are upset with the amount of money that they paid Gordon Hayward. But the way I look at it, when you're a small market team, players like Gordon Hayward aren't available all that often. And if you have to overpay by five, you know, four or five million dollars a season to get a Gordon Hayward and your Charlotte, I don't see the harm in that. You know, he's, he's a hard-nosed player. He can you know, play both sides of the ball. He can knock down jumpers. He can create for other players. Like, he's a really versatile player. Uh, and I think he was kind of living in the shadows of Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum over the last couple of seasons. But people forgot what he was like in Utah. Like, he was a borderline superstar in Utah. So uh, if he can get remotely close to that with Charlotte and then bringing in, you know, LaMelo, having Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier... Uh, PJ Washington like they've got a decent little team there in Charlotte and with how weak the East is traditionally I wouldn't be surprised if they are pushing for an eight seed you know as early as next season yeah I I, I can't disagree uh, I think that regardless of how this goes with uh, with the Hornets season I think that Gordon Hayward's agent deserves to be retired to the Hall of Fame uh, <laughs> he has made that man over 330 million dollars by the Which end of crazy. his 31 year old season I believe 31 or 33 yeah. year old season he will have made um, so that's that's insane on its own I think uh, 100% to your point uh, Gordon Hayward is a guy that can change a game for you I mean I, I saw that guy live in his second year in the league he put up 17 to come back and beat the Clippers in overtime yeah uh, at the Staples Center. I mean, it, it was, it's a, he's a special player to watch. I mean, a guy that obviously has been unfortunately hindered by some, some injuries. But, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that I hate what they have going there. Um, they've drafted really well. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like, regardless of my opinion on LaMelo Ball, I think anytime you have a player What is available, your opinion on, on LaMelo Ball? I'm curious. My opinion on LaMelo Ball is I think that 
I said that whatever team takes him is going to be let down. I think that there's a lot of hype around this guy. Um, he's the one guy in this draft, especially in the top 10, that I felt uh, I would be hesitant. Um, I don't know that I want that sideshow that is LeVar. I mean, it's the same mm-hmm. thing I said with... Uh, with Lonzo. Lonzo, yeah, when the Lakers draft him, especially going to a big market like that, that was just a recipe for disaster. I mean, and then you see him leave within a couple of years. I mean, yeah, I, I, I won't, I won't hate on him. I'll, I'll toss bias aside. I don't, I don't hate Lamelo Ball. I think he's a great player. I just think that there's far too many eggs in this basket for this guy at this point. I hope to to God that he proves me wrong because yeah. I would love to see him blossom there. I think the Charlotte Hornets and their fans are due for are due for a couple great years. And I think that, they, like I said, they've done a great job drafting. Um, I, I like their backcourt. Um, lots of depth. I don't know if uh, Terry Rozier is tossing around some rumors this week, uh, potentially Clippers, stuff like that involved. Yeah, so, I, I could see that. I it, He's the one that could, doesn't really fit naturally next to LaMelo. And when you're paying him, however much you're paying him, I think it's over 17 mil a year, right? You're not paying that for a sixth man. Yeah. And... With Lamelo, you're handing him the keys to the car. I think immediately, right? That's right. So I, I don't expect him to be a Charlotte Hornet for much longer. Um, but you, who knows? Maybe they run a three guard lineup. Like he's six foot seven, so he, yeah. yeah. And if he can strengthen up and you know commit defensively, that, that gives him a lot of flexibility, which I think is what I like so much about Lamelo. Like he's he's a matchup nightmare, right? Absolutely. And. We don't even know if he's done growing yet. You know, by the time this is all said and done, he might be six foot nine, with a, a seven foot wingspan playing the point. So I, there, there's I, the upside is really what I think draws people towards Lamelo, right? Like you can see the comparisons to uh, a Magic Johnson, just with his feel for the game, his ability to make other players better. You know, he's just so fluid and so natural. A lot of things that you can't really teach, and there's obviously some concerns, you know, defensively yeah. with this shot. It's it kind of amazes me with, you know, Levar Ball's ability to get his three sons, two sons to the NBA and yeah. one borderline. They that neither of them have a jump shot. Yeah, like I don't know what these kids are spending their time doing. I mean, they've they've proven effective at being able to impact games in different ways. I mean, yeah. it's it's something that I mean, it's not necessarily hidden per any of the scouts or anything like that. But I mean, it's it's something that people are aware of. But it's like you just have to figure out ways to stop him in in different scenarios. I mean, it's he's not a guy that's gonna wear you down with a jump shot. Can he? Hit, does he have a flair for the dramatic? And has he hit some big shots over yeah, in Australia? One hundred percent, absolutely. And like they. His team was one that counted on him for, for big moments like that, and that's great. I think that's huge in a young guy. A guy that's going to have the confidence, I think, especially. Uh, is it, that's a trait that he possesses is um, a seemingly unlimited amount of confidence in all Which that he does. Which is huge for an NBA player. That, Absolutely. that can't be understated. Um, and I, I, just one thing yeah. quickly. I, his mechanics are far better than either of his brothers, so I do think that he could actually turn into a really consistent shooter in the NBA yep. where I'm not optimistic that Lonzo will ever be that. Right. Um, so obviously his potential is significantly higher than Lonzo and I think his floor is significantly higher as well. Um, I'm really excited to see him play. I'm I'm going to be tuning into Charlotte Hornet games for the first time in <laughs> probably forever. <laughs> so I, I'm excited about that. I'm sure the whole city of Charlotte is. Uh, and I think it really worked out for him going to a small market team. You know, the worst thing that could have happened to him is the spotlight in somewhere like 
you know, in LA or, or you know, New York especially, they, they would have eaten him alive. So Absolutely. I think he gets to go somewhere like Charlotte where he can just really focus on basketball and keep to himself. And I, I hope it works out for him. I mean, any situation that you can have uh, MJ in uh, in your backyard, I don't think is a bad yeah, situation sure. to be in for a young for player sure. too. I think uh, I want to circle back to this Gordon Hayward thing. I didn't... Uh, I didn't consider the fact that uh, you have a guy like Nick Batum who's been making a lot more than he probably should have been yeah. the last five years. I mean, he signed back in 16, 17, five years, 120 mil. Um, that was a guy that they wanted to be. They wanted to kind of be that franchise, like Cutter, that slasher, the guy on the wing that could knock down shots, you know, the kind of their guy. And I think with him going into this last year, he's making 27 mil. I think it's a tough pill to swallow having him and Gordon on the books for as much money as they're going to have. But I well, think that it's a perfect... A perfect segue getting out of this Nick Batum contract yeah. and having a guy like Gordon Hayward there, I think, is absolutely best case scenario for them, regardless of that's, Hayward's that's injuries. That's a very good point. Yeah. From what I understand about the Gordon Hayward deal, is they needed to waive Nick Batum in order to make that happen. So they, I believe, they did the waive and stretch where they're gotcha. going to be paying him nine million over the next three seasons right, instead right. of the full twenty-seven this year. Which you know you you hate to have nine million in dead money on yeah. on your your cap sheet, but. Uh, to bring in a player like Gordon Hayward, I don't see the, the harm in that, really. You're not getting any production from, from Nick Batum almost at all, right? That's right. That's, that, right. that's got to be one of the worst contracts in yeah. recent history, yeah. right up there with the, the Chandler Parsons deals. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're, they're thinking good riddance and, you know, really excited to have someone like Gordon Hayward come take his place. Absolutely. I uh, Yeah, I'm excited to see. Char- Charlotte is definitely a team that, I mean... I, I could easily see that team sneak in. I mean, yeah. it's it's an interesting scenario, and I think that they're doing all the right things, though, for sure. Um, and and big credit to their management for for making yeah. the moves that they have. Mitch Kupchak, shout out to the yes, former Laker. Yes, sir. Um, I kind of want to steer this back to uh, the Western Conference. Let's go out. Uh, let's go out to Phoenix. Let's talk about yeah. the Phoenix Suns. They uh, some some big moves here. I don't know if you want to shine some light on on this current scenario with the Phoenix Suns? Well, they, I mean, Chris Paul, obviously the, the big thing to take away from that. Uh, if I'm a Phoenix Sun, this is, this is the best team they've had, I think without question, since Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and, you know, Q Rich back in those days. And what, what was that, 15 years ago? Yep. yep so, wow. and I would even argue that this team is poised to be better than that, like in terms of individual pieces. I know you know, Steve Nash was in MVP form back then, but you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, and then you have an all-NBA talent in Devin Booker, uh, you know, a, a top, let's say, five or six center in the league in DeAndre Ayton. You have Michael Bridges. You know, you have a, a really good core group of guys there, and you have a great coach in Monty Williams who, you know, knows how to bring people together. So uh, I think, without question, you expect to see them in the playoffs next season. Uh, you probably expect to see them, you know, with home court advantage. I, I put them in the top four, you know. Right now, my West is kind of shaping up. We have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and then, you know, the Suns are right there. The Mavs are right there. We'll see how healthy Kristaps Porzingis is because that's going to be crucial for them. But uh, they're, they're looking like a top, I'd say, at least five or six seed in the in the West, which is an amazing accomplishment with how competitive the West is. 
Yeah, I mean, anytime you can see a multiple seed jump from the year before, I think you got to be yeah. more than more than ecstatic about. It. I mean, the Phoenix Suns were were right there knocking on the door into those yeah. <clears throat> playing games. Devin Booker going crazy that whole time in the mm-hmm. bubble. I think that this is like, yeah, we we said it before we we even went live. Is like this is a good time to be a Phoenix Suns fan. Mm-hmm. I think that anytime you can bring in a guy with the veteran leadership of Chris Paul. A guy that can truly like run your court if need be. Um, I think he, you, you made the point that he, he will obviously defer to a lot of uh, of um, quality reps and stuff that they can kind of create themselves and guys like Devin Booker, yeah. um, and obviously your strong presence inside with Aiton. But um, I really like the Jay Crowder signing too. I, I said that to you as well as yeah. uh, that's if if this guy gives you anything like he gave the Miami Heat in, in this title run this year. Like three years, thirty million. I, I will I will do that eleven days out of ten, um, yeah. if that's available, and that's going to yeah. be the Jay Crowder that that the Phoenix Suns are going to get. That's I don't know that there's really much more that you could ask for in terms of it solidifying a good depth guy, great team guy. Um, yeah, by all I intents mean, and purposes, you, great teammate. You, I like that you brought up the just the term and the amount of his contract. When you compare his productivity to someone like a Joe Harris or a Davis Bertans. Like you're ultimately you're playing for you're paying for almost the same thing, right? Like they're they're gonna. I think actually with Jay Crowder you're getting a little bit more defensively, but you're paying somebody who's not going to look to create shots themselves, but it's going to be more like a, a pressure release, who's who's there to knock down open jumpers and kind of just get their points in the flow of the offense, and to get someone like that at ten mil a season, and you know, we were talking about a it a little bit offline with the Miami Heat having Jay Crowder during this playoff run. I don't know if they make the finals without Jay Crowder. He was really important to them, right? Just yeah. in terms of toughness, knocking down shots, playing tough D. He, he's a player that I, that's a signing I don't think a lot of people paid much attention to. But I think when we get into the playoffs next season, that's going to be something that people look back on and be like, that was a key move by the Phoenix front office. Absolutely. I mean, this guy, this guy only started eight of the Miami Heat's games last year, and, and was still giving you uh, forty, almost forty-five percent from three, which is just absolutely like insane. that is yeah. a guy that's a career average around thirty-two, thirty-three percent to be yeah. to come out of his shell and be that for that team was mm-hmm. so crucial. And I think with how many, uh, with how much attention a guy like Devin Booker is going to get. Um, having a guy like Chris Paul that can that can find another option, or even to have Devin Booker create opportunities for Jay Crowder mm-hmm. on drive and kick, stuff like that, with the presence of DeAndre Ayton inside, I think it's just like a perfect recipe for for Jay Crowder. And I think that's why a Phoenix uh, a Phoenix Suns jersey was so attractive to him. Yeah, for sure. Which is it's it's crazy to see now free agents like you know that means that shows what the impact of Chris Paul means to that organization because I don't think you land a free agent like Jay Crowder without having Chris Paul there, right? That's right. Like that, they what he did with OKC this past season, leading them to the playoffs, it just just incredible, Absolutely. right? Like nobody expected anything out of that roster, and to have them, I think they finished fifth or sixth in the West, which this this ultra competitive Western Conference, it speaks volumes to what Chris Paul can do. And it's not necessarily just on the court, but just, you know, his presence in the locker room as a leader, especially for those young guys in Phoenix, you, you, you have to be really excited to see what they, what they are able to do, you know, going into the next season and beyond. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, and if you're Phoenix with how much young talent you have there, I mean, even with the departure, some, some pieces with Kelly Oubre, stuff like that, I think, 
Um, a guy like Chris Paul, it's, that's a guy that has experience beyond the court like like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's been a crucial part of the, the NBA PA too, or MBPA, yeah. um, with uh, with just fighting for like social justice, especially this past year. He was he was at the forefront um, being with um, with the MBPA. Like he's he's just a role model in every sense of the word, and I think he's an incredible person for for a lot of those players to really learn under. So I mean. The experience that a lot of those guys are going to gain on and off the court every single day is going to be so, so, so valuable to that franchise. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Where do you see the Utah Jazz next season? Oh, Utah Jazz. Oh, man. I mean, what what are their key? Like, do they have any key departures? I don't, I don't think I've really Not, seen them make much noise. Like, positive no, or I'm, negative. But. For the most part, it's going to be the same team as last season returning, which... If I'm a Jazz fan, I'm concerned. I know there's a lot to like in in Donovan Mitchell. I'm kind of over Rudy Gobert. I think his style of play as like you know a, a rim running center who is more or less just there for defensive purposes. And I think defensively, he's kind of overrated. Uh, although he did do a really good job against Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. It's it's I. I don't see him being a foundational piece for a championship team. I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're a little underwhelmed um, if you're a Jazz fan, too. I mean, this is a team that could have made a lot of noise um, this past year and in recent time just in general. I think seeing, like, all you really have to show for this offseason so far is new deals for Clarkson and Favors. I mean, I like like securing Jordan Clarkson. I think that that's a great guy to have, whether you're going to play him – from the tip or off the bench, I think that guy is a guy that can just create his own, um, mm-hmm. no matter where he is and in what situation. Uh, we saw it with when he was with the Lakers as well. Um, just a guy that knows how to get his. Um, I, I'm very underwhelmed by Derek Favors being one of their <laughs> priorities. I think like I just think that there's such greener pastures that the Utah Jazz could have uh, could have strolled through. Um, yeah. I mean, that's not to say they're not trying, but uh, yeah, I think I'm left. A little bit underwhelmed, I think, if I'm a Jazz well, fan right now. You have to hope that Mike Conley has kind of a rebound season because the way he played for most of last season was just really unfortunate for you know a guy that's making thirty plus million a season and yeah. who's been you know multiple time All Star. It's it's disappointing the way that that played out, but I mean it takes some time getting used to each other, two ball dominant guards. So. I expect as they become more comfortable, because he had a couple of injuries too that kind of threw them off rhythm. Um, I expect more out of him, and you know, maybe that makes a big difference. I'm not sure how much I believe that, but you know, when we look at the West right now, so let's let's go through the list of the, the teams that made the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. We have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. Those are the only real sure shots to make the playoffs next season when you look at it. Houston's in limbo. OKC, I think you can count them out. Utah, I'm not really convinced. Dallas is a pretty good bet, but again, that really is predicated on the healthiness of of, of Chris Tapps Porzingis. The Trailblazers made some really good moves. Hopefully, that helps them defensively, and having Nurkic back for a full season will will you know bode well for them. So I expect them to make the playoffs. So we have like six teams that are probable. And then you have teams that didn't make the playoffs in the Suns, the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, the Warriors, and even the Grizzlies. So you essentially have five teams that didn't make the playoffs last year competing for maybe two spots, right? Yeah. It's 
it's a lot. And like all of those teams have the quality to make the playoffs, but not all of them can. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in the West. If you had to take your early pick, what do you think the the playoff picture looks like for the West? I think your, your top three is a lock. I mean, even the, the Nuggets, though. I mean, the Nuggets lost Grant and Plumlee in, in the last couple of days sure. here. I think that's pretty impactful. I think what you have as as your core is more than enough to make the playoffs, though, if, mm-hmm. if I'm Denver. Um, there's not They're not gaping holes. Um, in losing those guys, uh, definitely impact guys. But I think that your top three is solidified. I think the class of the West is going to be your Lakers, your Nuggets, your Clippers. Um, I think past that, the the Mavs. If if Porzingis, um, if Porzingis stays healthy, the Mavs are a lock for top five. Um, and I think the Trailblazers having a full healthy season. I mean, pray to God, but. Um, if, if you can have McCollum, Lillard, and Nurkic all stay healthy, they brought back a guy like Rodney Hood who's, who fits perfectly there um, yeah. in, in that role. I think that the, the Blazers are a lock, and I think filling out the bottom, I, you have to look at the Suns. You have to look, I think, the Warriors. I see no reason why, even without Clay that the Warriors make it. I think they could be as high as a six. I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. He was so important to them, not only offensively, but defensively. And I, Draymond Green isn't the same player he was, you know, two years ago. Uh, we've seen a pretty significant decline in his play. Uh, the James Wiseman, I, I'm curious to see how well he plays because I think a lot of their success is actually going to, to depend on how well he's integrated into their, their plans in the, in the near term. I, I'm just saying I would not be surprised if the Golden State Warriors do not make the playoffs. Okay. Because it's, it's going to be hard. And when you look, you almost have to win 50 games in the West to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. And coming off of injuries, Steph, you know, not having played for, really having played for almost a year as well. Draymond getting most of last season off as well. Battling injuries. They don't have much depth, although, you know, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre definitely upgrades from what they were dealing with last season. But... I, I don't think it's a, it's a sure shot, right? When you had Clay Thompson, you they were in the discussion for a championship, and you remove him, and I'm not I'm not convinced that they're a guaranteed playoff team. Like they're they're going to be, in my opinion, fighting for the sixth, seventh, eighth seed. Like I yeah. don't, they're not they're not fighting for a top spot in the West. No, I, I definitely I, I can't put them up, I can't put them in a home home court position at all. Um, I think, yeah, the, like you said, the six, seven, eight is where I see them. I don't see them being any lower uh, than a playoff position, uh, in my opinion. I think you have a you have a guy like Andrew Wiggins, you have a guy like Steph Curry, you have Draymond Green, and you have James Wiseman, a number whatever number was it number one? Yeah, number two, number two pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty crazy to me that like that's still who they have after losing like a massive piece. Like they, it's not like they don't have anything to fall back on. I think. That this team's still going to be a very exciting team to watch. I think anytime uh, you have Steph Curry bringing the ball up the court every night, you're, or every play, you're going to be you're going to be in for a show. Um, and I think Andrew Wiggins truly fits here. Um, I think this is arguably his best fit of his career. Um, and I think in terms of ease, um, I think this is probably some of the easiest basketball he'll play having a guy like Steph Curry running the point. Yeah. Um, he's always kind of been looked at to be 
a guy that has the ball in his hands all the time. And I don't truly believe that that's how Andrew Wiggins makes no. his money in the NBA. He's definitely, I think, more of a slasher scorer, you know, maybe catch and shoot. But he's not He's not the, the type of player where you want to put the ball into his hands and ask him to go make something happen, yeah. right? So having a playmaker like Steph, I think, is a huge burden off his shoulders. But even with that, I don't know how much of an impact player he's going to be without Klay Thompson there, right? Like, they, to me, that means they're going to have to put the ball in his hands a little bit more than they were anticipating. And, you know, we've seen in Minnesota that he's not the most efficient like that. So um, I'm a little concerned as a Warrior fan, which, you know, how could you not be when you lose your second-best player? But uh, I, I hope that it works out for them because, you know, the NBA is a better place with the Warriors competing. Absolutely. And it will definitely be exciting season. You know, if we have them competitive, it's, we're, we're going to see what Steve Kerr is made of. I think this season. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a real test for him because I mean he inherited the kind of the lottery with that that the way that roster was constructed in his first season, and he's done yeah. well with them. But last season when they were struggling, they were really struggling, and he was not saving them at all, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I know that's they didn't have much of a roster to work with, but. When you look at the way the Raptors played when they lost their stars, you know, almost all of their their top players missed significant time with injury, right? I think Lowry missed games. Yeah. Ibaka missed games. Van Vliet missed games. I think Pascal even missed games. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they didn't they didn't miss a beat. They they won. They had a higher winning percentage this season than they've had in, the, you know, their whole history. So that, I think, speaks to the coaching and to the, to the organizational stability. When you lose players, you're still out there being competitive. Next man up. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, yeah, like you said, he, he inherited a gold mine um, from, from the Mark Jackson uh, era there in Golden State. Um, I think it's, it's, a very, it's a very valid point. I think he's going really, to really have an opportunity to prove, like, yeah, what his, like, what his coaching uh, expertise is really going to be. Where, where does he specialize? What are the Warriors really good at? regardless of who they have uh, in there as the two guard. Um, and I think, yeah, the, 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 the true colors are going to show um, in a year of struggle. I mean, it, it, it's easy for, for a coach to come in when you, you got like almost your entire starting five being all-stars, you know what I yeah, mean? It's, exactly. it's, uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see. I think, like I said, I, I put the Warriors right in there around the six to eight slot. I think they do sneak into the playoffs. but I think so too. I just want to clarify. I do think they make the playoffs, right. but I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised if they don't. Yeah, I think right. I think it, it takes one one. If Steph Curry ends up missing more than ten fifteen games next season, that's enough to to knock them out of the playoffs. That's how competitive the West is, right? So they need him to be healthy for the entire season. They need Andrew Wiggins to play his best basketball. I really like Kelly Oubre, and obviously the Warriors do too, because picking up his contract ends up costing him nearly a hundred million dollars in luxury tax. So yeah. they must be high on him as well. Yeah. Um, I like his versatility. He's really improved a lot, showed a lot with the Suns. So we'll see how he is integrated into their roster. But they, they've got their work cut out for them next season, that's for sure. Yeah, it'd be, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, the, the, the balance of power, is, is it shifts every year, it seems. And it's uh, I'm loving the, the parity in this, in this league in the last couple of years, I think. Um, I mean, the, the West was always the best, you know what I mean? It's, it was a gauntlet yeah. in the West, and the East was kind of... 
was kind of the afterthought, but it's it, across both conferences right now. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to get a playoff spot next yeah. year. It, it always is, but there's there's going to be an absolute bloodbath for some of those final spots as yeah. we saw in in especially in the West this past year too. So yeah, definitely, I'm uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the Lakers because I don't think we've mentioned them yeah. almost at all. Yeah. Uh, quietly having one of the best off seasons, if not the best off season out of any team which is not what you really expect for a defending champion with not a lot of flexibility in terms of, you know, roster spots and, 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 and assets. Like, they really have nothing, right? Outside of LeBron James and likely Anthony Davis, going into this offseason, they had Kyle Kuzma. No, that was about it, right? And somehow Rob Palenka was able to, to maneuver a trade and bring in the... Potential six-man of the year, depending on who you ask. A lot of people think Dennis Schroeder was the most impactful player off the bench last season. And then you go in and bring the actual six-man in, in Montrez Harrell, which is, you know, on a, a two-year two-year contract, nine and a half million per season. So great bargain for somebody who really fills the hole that the, the Lakers had at the center position. So hats off to Rob Belinka putting the Lakers in a really good position thus far for for repeat championship absolutely i think i mean the i love the montrez harold deal a lot um, yeah i know you're, you're a clipper fan so yeah i miss him more I, most. i'm gonna miss him for sure but i mean i love that deal for the lakers i also love that deal for what it's gonna do to that la rivalry yeah um yeah i mean everybody clowns on patrick beverly but like the guy's a dog and he wants to he wants to win and he wants to beat those guys like more than anything, right? And I think it's it's going to be such an interesting dynamic to see. I mean, those guys were kind of those guys were tight knit. It was no secret. Lou Will, yep. Montres Harrell, Patrick Beverly, those guys all have the same kind of dog mentality, and one of them's flop. So, like, what what is that going to look like? I think it's going to be incredible. But um, further to your point, I, I think the Lakers uh, have. I mean. They got to be signing papers for a second parade at this point. I mean, yeah, like it is. <laughs> this is uh, our, like undoubtedly the best off season. I would say. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> how the how they got richer, that much yeah. better? I don't. I don't know how you upgrade multiple positions yeah. coming off of a off title like that. But I mean, I got to give. I, I dog on our, our boy Sean a lot, but I mean, he, he had a good tweet the other day. He said. Uh, imagine getting hit on screens by Montrez Harrell and Anthony Davis for four quarters every night. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's that's a whole other thing. So, Tough, um, yeah, the Lakers are are looking very poised um, to be the class of the league again. I think um, it it also just goes further. I mean, uh, we know we know what LeBron is, what he brings, and and just the aura that he he carries. I think any opportunity any player has to to join forces with him and feel wanted by him. Um, is something that they're going to jump on, and I mean, we saw it with the Warriors in their yeah, uh, their yeah, dynasty days, yeah. stretch. I mean, you get a guy like Demarcus Cousins who wants to come over there on one year bet minimum. Like yeah. it's it, they're you're going to keep mean, seeing they, this. They, they already got it with Wesley Matthews, which I think is a huge, huge acquisition. You know, he he easily steps into the the hole left by Danny Green, and I think he's an upgrade from Danny Green. Although I do think Danny Green is kind of underrated. Mm-hmm. He had a poor shooting playoffs, but. You know, he, he brings a lot to the table. But I think Wes Matthews brings all of that and more consistent shooting, right? So the the Lakers are in a really good spot. Wes Matthews, to me, him and Jay Crowder, those are the t- same type of signings where they fly under the radar. But those are the types of pieces you need to develop a championship team. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited as a Laker fan. Uh, I'm really worried if I'm, I'm anybody else in the league. 
because uh, that they they're they're going for it and you know if you're LeBron James you really have to be excited about your your opportunity to go and get that that fifth ring yeah I mean yeah, the Lakers yeah undoubtedly uh, class of the NBA this year 100 yeah. percent um, it'll be everyone against the Lakers um, every single night you walk into wherever it might be or whether it's the Staples Center whether it's wherever and you got the Lakers on the other side of the court. I mean, you're, you got your work <laughs> you're, cut out for yeah, you. your, your work is cut out for you 100%. So um, I think it just adds to the genius of, of, of Rob Palenka, though. I mean, knowing when you get a guy like LeBron having in your back pocket, the fact that that's going to bring so much benefit outside of just having him on your roster, being able to attract players mm-hmm. just with one name, uh, and let alone the, the name of the Lakers franchise in general. Yeah. Everyone wants to don purple and gold, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... I mean, it's. It, I we didn't even mention Marcus Saul. Like that's yeah, a, Marcus that's a Saul in really the last couple hours here. Up. Like I know, again, casual basketball fans probably don't appreciate what Marcus Saul can do. But when you want to talk about coming off screens, if you're having to deal with Anthony Davis, Marcus Saul, Montrezl Harrell, you're gonna have a lot of open shooters, and that's LeBron's specialty is finding Absolutely. open shooters. So Absolutely. they're doing a great job on a really limited budget of putting a, a quality team together. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets because I think they're kind of the wild card. Nobody really knows how good they're going to be, though the expectation is they're going to be... A lot of people view them as the class of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. I still think that's the Milwaukee Bucks until proven otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on you know the potential for the Brooklyn Nets and what can we expect out of them? The Brooklyn Nets are going to be a very, very, very good basketball team. Um, Obviously, given uh, Kevin Durant's struggles with injuries and, and Kyrie and kind of the little bit of a sideshow he's kind of had going on, not a great experience in Boston, kind of being alienated there, maybe not feeling appreciated or, or not really showing a franchise the love that like they really expected bringing mm-hmm. him in. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. And I think this, the, Steve Nash, the Steve Nash signing as your head coach, bringing in a guy like Amari as your assistant and, and just creating like a young vibe, a, a, a vibe where these players, I think my initial thoughts are that the Brooklyn Nets are going to gel very, very well with Steve Nash at the helm. Um, I think that this is so eerily similar to the Steve Kerr scenario where like this roster is built to win as it is. And then yeah. you throw in a you throw in a guy that had a very 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 good career like yeah. multiple MVPs like this guy well respected yeah guy too. very well like, respected like this team uh, he, Steve Nash comes in with with that reputation amongst players as it is let alone players playing for him now um, but this roster is built to win man I mean he, like we said we talked about it in the bubble like you got guys like Luwawu you got um, yeah that's the like thing is they're deep Levert. right now they're yeah. really like Spencer Dinwiddie could start on. 80% of the teams in the league, right? Absolutely. Same thing with Karis LeVert. Like, yeah. those are really quality players. I mean, look at what Karis LeVert was doing to the Raptors in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Like, he was giving them a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a matchup nightmare. And if you have him as your, you know, your third option offensively, yeah. that's that's scary. It's it's going to be interesting to see kind of how Karis LeVert fits with, with Kevin Durant being there now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I mean, that's kind of... I kind of see Karis LeVert kind of being in that that position, really. But I'm, it's obviously going to be Kevin Durant's to have now. It's going to be interesting to see um, how they make it work. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at the starting lineup, these guys are going to be able to put out, like, a, of any combination of Kyrie, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, like, Jared Allen. You got, like, you have so names many options, in your yeah. – it's, it's In terms outrageous. of depth, are they the deepest team in the league right now? 
They're right up there, I think. I mean, the, I, I can't. I hard pressed to find a team with more depth than Brooklyn right now. I mean, I think it, it it only got deeper too with the amount of guys that got a chance um, with the bubble. With the injury, um, yeah. With, I mean, you know, I don't think you see a guy uh, like Luau who really break out like that, and I don't think you see guys like that that wouldn't have gotten an option or a, yeah. a chance before really get to shine and make you seriously consider like. Maybe there's a little bit of fighting for some of these roster spots, and yeah. maybe all of a sudden you have a, an asset that becomes expendable for something else. Like you, you never know, but I mean, the Brooklyn Nets—it's uh, easy to get high on them right now because I'm feeling it. But I mean, if if these guys stay healthy, I, the East, the East is going to have some serious trouble with the Brooklyn Nets. I think. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Uh, I I still do believe Milwaukee, just in terms of continuity. They know what they have there. Giannis is still probably the best player in the the East, even with Kevin Durant coming back. Although, you know, Kevin Durant might have something else to say about no, that. No, hundred percent, you will. But, uh, absolutely. It, I'm always concerned with people coming off of serious injuries, especially when it's an Achilles injury, because we haven't really seen people rebound well from that. Mm-hmm. Although, if anybody's poised to do it, Kevin Durant is, just in terms of his body type and his play style. Like he doesn't. He doesn't need to go up and dunk on you like he can score without taking a dribble, right? So Absolutely. The, I'm optimistic, but I think the East still runs through through Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it'll be. I think that uh, that's probably a widely widely held belief. Um, I mean, yeah, they've they've made some some moves in Milwaukee, um, but I mean, yeah, you got a guy like Giannis who's, I mean, he who's really played better than him in the last two, three years, like collectively over the course of the whole three years. I mean, there's yeah. only a few that could really be mentioned. Right? And he so, continues to improve. Like exactly. he's starting to knock down pull-up jumpers, like pull-up threes from yeah. the top of the key. Yeah. If he can get that remotely consistent, I don't know how you stop him. Exactly and this is a guy that he's, he's scoring 29 points a game and he yeah. can't shoot a fucking jump shot. He's Pardon getting, my French. Yeah, he's getting to, he, he will just beat you when he wants to beat you to the rim. Yeah. And and he's getting yeah like upwards of thirty a game just just off of sheer will and 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 strength really I mean that's just a body type that's unmatched um, mm-hmm. we talk about it all the time with LeBron we talk about it with Kevin Durant I think that like Giannis has the length of Kevin Durant with with just like the sheer strength now too I mm-hmm. think that's one thing that uh, Kevin Durant is able to rely on the jump shot a little bit right and it's yeah. unstoppable so it, it's kind of an interesting trade off like those two are so similar but so different at the same time yeah. But yeah, the Brooklyn Nets is going to make some serious noise. I think so. It'd be interesting. What do you What do you think about the Hawks? I know they they put in an offer or a claim for for Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think they're they're in a pretty good position going into next season to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, I really like their their first round pick, um, the Nigerian guy on- Onyeka Okongwu. Yeah, 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 yeah. He fits what they're trying to do in terms of not needing the ball in there. Like, Trey Young's going to be able to create easy buckets for this guy, no problem, mm-hmm. right? And with his athleticism and his length, he's going to open the court up a lot for Trey Young as well. So I think that's a really good pairing with those two. Uh, I don't know how John Collins fits into that. He's starting to knock down the jump shot a little bit more consistently, which I think is reason for optimism mm-hmm. um obviously the main concern with these guys is not scoring points though it, it's it's stopping other teams from <laughs> exactly. doing so yeah. um and you know their their first round pick i think defensively is a huge improvement over anybody they have there right now you know clint capella 
is a pretty reliable rim protector. Um, so we'll see how they... I'm curious to see what their front court looks like between the three of them, who's going to be getting minutes where. Yeah. Um, but I think they've made some improvements defensively. I think they still need to make more. And bringing in another playmaker like Bogdanovich and you know, a shot maker and a playmaker... I, I think really people don't understand how good this guy is in terms of ball handling and mm-hmm. passing, not not just shooting. Like he's not a spot up shooter. Yeah, no, I think I think the I think the Atlanta Hawks are set if they get if they get him. I mean, yeah. I think they brought in like on the low. They brought in Tony Snell. It's a, a good depth guy. You Decent. got yeah. Cam Reddish still still sitting there. I mean, that's something that. Yeah. Oh, DeAndre Hunter too. I forgot yeah. about him. Right. Another year older. Another year more mature. Exactly. And he's a he's a solid defender offensively. Yeah. Not the most polished, but. And they added to their guard depth, getting uh, Skylar Mays out of LSU as their second rounder. I mean, you you really can't complain. I think that the Hawks are are there. I mean, they got. They got a guy that can take over a game whenever he wants in Trey Young. I mean, yeah. he's he's proven wildly effective uh, early in his career, mm-hmm. um, and can really change the course of any game just on his own. Um, but I mean, yeah, you, you got you got pieces like John Collins. You got a rim protector like mm-hmm. Clint Capella, like Kevin Kevin Huerter, Herder, yeah. um, Gallo too, right? Gallo's yeah. Gallo shot I think almost forty percent from three last season. Yeah, so. so. It, it's going to be really hard to guard Trey Young when you can't help off him because yeah. you have people who can knock down open threes, which I don't think they had really consistently last year at all. Yeah. Uh, so the question for them, of course, is going to be defensively. But, you know, the Mavs really couldn't play a lick of defense last year, and they, they made the playoffs and gave the Clippers a lot of trouble. So, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's, it's possible that they can make some noise. Um, but I think in, in terms of long term, they're they're a scary team to look out for. A lot of people don't give Trey Young enough credit, mm-hmm. and I think that has to do with the fact that he was traded for for Doncic, and Doncic has been so exceptional. But Trey Young is a really good point guard, mm-hmm. and like defenses are losing sleep over trying to guard this guy. Yeah, right, because he he can get anywhere he wants on the court for yeah. the most part. He's too quick. You can't really muscle him up, and he can knock down shots from anywhere. He's got a great floater, great pull up. So I, I, he's got all the qualities a guy like Steph Curry. Yeah, he <laughs> gives does. every. He's, he's a little bit less fluid. Him. Yeah, um, but yeah, he, he's very Steph Curry esque. A little bit yeah. quicker, but yeah, it's it's. I'm looking forward to see to seeing what they're they're able to do this coming season. Um, I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top four, maybe top five in the East next year. Um, yeah, I could easily see that. I think it'd be interesting to see what what they get out of Gallo too. I mean, he's yeah. Yeah. a guy that's he he just received the biggest contract of any player over his age. I think it's thirty one or thirty three. That's never been to a finals. Yeah, um, and never had an all star yeah. uh, an all star selection either. So I mean, the, Gallo has always kind of been that guy that, that rakes in steady cash because yeah. he puts up numbers. Talk about whether putting it's, agents into the Hall of Fame, that's right. His right. agent is sign that guy up because exactly. this guy's been making money from. From, I, where did he it's start? Been, it's been Denver, New York. It's been York, everywhere. Clippers, like the Clippers. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, and he's, he's always been consistent. He's yeah. been a contributor. He's done enough to obviously earn these contracts. So good for him. Good for his agent. I like to see guys cash out. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a good year for Atlanta too. It's a team that I didn't really show a ton of attention to, and I mean, it's kind of. I feel like they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I mean, yeah. for the for for the most part, I mean they're. They're trusting their core and they're gonna go with it. Um, I did see a tweet. I wanna I wanna pose the question to you. Um, I don't know if you saw it as well, but 
Um, three teams that I feel have been a little bit quiet. I mean, given their scenario, um, bringing guys in more so, I think, would be in how they're being quiet. But I'm looking at the Clippers. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at the Raptors. Yeah. And I'm looking at the Miami Heat. Yeah. That's, these teams have lost names. But, I mean, the Raptors' only, only move really so far has been um, bringing in Aaron Baines that we saw just come through a couple hours ago. I mean, that, that fills a need to have a guy in your front court other than Chris Boucher or Pascal Siakam. But, I mean, you look at the Clippers, like, I mean, what does this Clippers team look like right now? And what is, what is their window of opportunity and, and, and their ceiling this year? For sure. Like, let's start with the Clippers because I think their offseason was a total disaster until they managed to convince Serge to, to come on board. Because if they if they don't bring Surge in, they they literally don't get any better. They lost Montrez Harrell. Um, I don't. I think it's kind of you know net balance bringing in Surge and losing Montrez Harrell because they impact the game in different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think their impact overall can be felt the same way. Um, but I'm, I'm yeah I'm a little bit disappointed that they but they're they're kind of handcuffed. They don't have a lot of flexibility. Right. It's not like they have cap space. They don't really have a lot of assets. They gave up so much to get Paul George. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. But, I mean, you know, the, the same could be said for the Lakers, and they were able to, to make a couple more moves. I'm sure the Clippers would have loved to have had Dennis Schroeder on their roster. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot of moves out there that teams are making with, with limited resources, and yeah. I think that's the frustrating part for, I mean, I follow a ton of uh, Clippers, analyst reporters, whatever on on Twitter. It's just like a sense of almost like disbelief everywhere. It's just like you're you're losing these names, and and you were built to win this past year, and then it was treated as if it was it wasn't a win or bust year. I mean, yeah. those that team went all in. They they sold the farm for Paul George. They absolutely sold the farm for him, and. To have no like the, their next draft pick, if they stand pat at what they're at right now, their next first round draft pick is currently in sixth grade. <laughs> That's crazy. Like that is crazy to think about. Um, they they need to do something. I, I think it's going to end up resulting in in uh, offloading um, like some assets in the in the coming year uh, or two. Um, but I mean, when you got, I mean, what assets though? Like you got. Outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, what do they really have that's valuable? Like Lou Williams is going to garner some interest. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get a lot for him. I know? think you. I think it's going to result in a in a Clippers rebuild. I think it's honestly going that way. I think, like, what else is there going to be to do than to get rid of a guy like Lou Will for for draft pick or two? Or what is what yeah. else is there going to be? I don't, like, mean, I don't even think you can get a first round pick. For Lou no, Will. I mean you might have to take a second. I mean, yeah. who knows that his contract is is something to consider as well. I mean, their team is still respectable. They they will still be they're going to be competitive when you have two great players yeah. like Kawhi. Like let's not Kawhi had a miserable playoff series against Denver. I should say miserable game seven. But Kawhi is still one of the top two or three players in the NBA, Absolutely. right? Like, that guy is a monster. So don't, you know, let's not sleep on mm-hmm. that. But depth, they don't have it. And no, I don't think there's don't. really much of a much of a way for them to acquire it. Like, I don't, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for them yeah. on that. But 
I mean, right? they're, anytime you have stars, you're you're in a position to 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 win. Their reason to rejoice outside of Serge Ibaka right now is getting Patrick Patterson back. I mean, it's yeah. no, they they did get Marcus Morris, which I think was important for them. Yeah, it they was paid a, him a lot of money though. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money and a lot of term. Yeah, um, was it four years, sixty four or something? Yeah, like that? he's getting a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, I love that he got he got to secure the bag. That's great. Yeah, great for I, him. I like that. I think he was a great player. I mean, he shot outside of the game seven woes or the, yeah. the final couple games of that series. I mean, he was knocking down at almost a 50% rate from three for them. Had a couple like big games in that series. Um, I love, I do really love the front court dynamic though, at least, at least off the tip, you got Zubats and you got Ibaka. I mean, I think that's going to be so similar to what the Raptors, uh, had. Yeah, what the Raptors yeah. had with Gasol and Ibaka. I think that that's going to be a really, really good dynamic to have. Yeah. And I mean, Kawhi is going to have familiarity with that too. He's going to yeah. have familiarity with, with Serge and obviously a, a year with, with Zubats under his belt. I think yeah. Zubats has a high ceiling. Um, a bunch of my buddies razz me for that, but I think... No, that, I like the way he plays, man. He's yeah. fundamentally sound. He's a big body. He's got really good hands. He's a little slow on his feet, yeah. but like nobody that size is quick on their feet, really, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think he's going to improve. I think he's somebody you can count on. He's not going to score 20 points and get 10 rebounds a game. That's not what he's yeah. there for, but... He's going to be a valuable contributor to a winning team for, I think, for a long time, right? The guy the guy is a, is a monster on, on the offensive glass, too. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that's wildly yeah. effective. And I think with that, I think there's no reason why this guy can't be a 15-10 and 10 guy. And I don't think there's a reason that uh, the Clippers should really expect anything less from him, yeah. uh, especially based on the year that he had last year. I mean, he showed a lot of promise. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, that's a team that's been quiet. I mean, mostly because their hands been forced. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if they technically they're still built for to to make yeah, a run in the sure. playoffs. So it's they it's still just have a the pieces. Yeah. The I mean, when everyone else is kind of bolstering up, you you hate to be the team that's standing right. pat. Right. Especially, Especially when, when the Lakers the are. That, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When you know teams in your conference in your division. Like that. Look at the the division with the Lakers. Who's it's Lakers, Phoenix, um, Golden State. Like it's it's just a monster division. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, and and let's touch on those other teams too. I mean, we got the Miami Heat, obviously coming off of a a finals loss this past year, um, showing a lot of promise. I mean, Jimmy Butler. I mean. <laughs> Pardon my French, but fuck resp- what you heard yeah, about Jimmy Butler. You know his name. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I think to watch. I mean, they secured a guy like Myers Leonard, um, just a depth guy, and obviously yeah. not a guy that's gonna get a ton of burn. But that's that is just like a valuable good body piece to have. have. Yeah, absolutely. Good piece to have. Um, uh, I like what they did in the draft, getting Precious Achua. Yeah. I think what was it, twenty one or something yeah, like yeah. that. So late, late first round. Yeah, that he gives me Bam out of bio vibes. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, Athletic is all hell, super long, super hard nose defensively, can finish well, he's got good touch. Not the most polished shooter, but neither was Bam, and he's started to turn a corner there. So they're, they're obviously cut from the same cloth, and I th- think Miami sees that. But they're, I like what Miami's doing. Again, they're kind of another team that doesn't have a lot of flexibility in terms of cap space. Uh, but they've got some young players that you really have to be excited about in Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, even Kendrick Nunn. You know, he he's a little bit older for a rookie. I think he's you know nearly 25 or whatever. But yeah. they're still really good pieces on pretty affordable contracts, which is, you know, championship caliber teams. You have to have a little bit of that balance where you're getting 
production from players on rookie scale contracts yeah. or you know veteran minimums and Miami has that so I'm I'm a little bit worried for Miami because I think they've kind of hit their ceiling mm-hmm. uh, with the just the way that their roster is constructed yeah. unless Bam can take another significant leap this season and that's asking a lot out yeah, of him a lot, yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to be able to compete with the Milwaukee's the Brooklyn's you know the even the Celtics going into next season but I, I like their chances because they're dogs, right? And they proved mm-hmm. that this season. You can't ever count them out there. They're, they're not going to be a team that you sweep in a, in a seven-game series. They're going to fight. It's going to be a six- or seven-game series yeah. almost every time, Absolutely. right? And, Absolutely. And in that case, you know, there's, there's always a shot. Um, I do want to talk about the Sixers because we really haven't mentioned them yeah. at all. And I think there's, there's a lot there that we can discuss, uh, starting with the Ben Simmons situation and you know, how well he kind of collaborates with Joel Embiid. There's a lot of trade rumors in the air right now with one of them potentially being on the block. Mm-hmm. What do you make of all that? Uh, I mean, it's it's all it's all talk. Like I said, everything, everything changes every day, it seems like, uh, which one is they're going to trust the process with the most or whatever. I mean, if, if you have an opportunity to... To grab a big name, I don't have a problem putting Ben Simmons in the package. From being James Harden, yeah, I, I don't have a problem at all. I'd make a trade. I think on the Sixers, it makes sense if you can do a, a straight up one for one, James Harden and Ben Simmons. Yeah, on the Sixers, I make that trade. What do you What do you truly classify Ben Simmons' position as, anyways? I mean, I think that you're I mean, he's a point forward. You're a lot harder pressed to try to find an impact player like Joel Embiid on the open market or through a trade than yeah. you are someone that Absolutely. could replace Ben Simmons and whatever the. Th- like backcourt positions that he's he's yeah. going to be playing, I think that you have a guy that again needs to rely so much on his body and his athleticism to get to the rim all the time. Um, he's not a shooter. Um, it's not a guy that you can really count on to to kind of creating an offense for himself outside of seventeen to twenty feet. You know what I mean? It's yeah. he doesn't really have that opportunity to bail himself yeah. out. Um, I think that Dwight Howard going there was a little, a little bit of like a. a good move for them I think like he earned another payday with the Lakers I think he proved very effective off the yeah. bench and he can yeah. be a good relief player um, but yeah I mean the, the Sixers are, are, are an interesting team to, to watch moving forward well I they think. did a great job bringing in uh, Seth Curry yep. that like that and Danny Green right like yep. they needed shooters and they went out and got shooters so yep. I think that's great for them I love Brett Brown but I don't think he was the coach for that team right. to get them over the hump yeah I agree it is is that Doc Rivers? I don't really know. I personally am not the biggest Doc Rivers fan. Yeah. I think his leash that he earned off of that 2008 championship is, you know, a little yeah. bit longer than you 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 kind of want to see. Yeah. You know, he really hasn't done much since then, and I don't see him as the kind of X's and O's guy. Like I think he's he's more of a, a locker room motivator, which. You know that's that's important, but does that win championships? I don't know. His, you know, it did in Boston when you had three Hall of Famers, but what's it going to look like in Philly? Right? They they underachieve. Let's be real. You're a Clippers fan. Oh yeah. They underachieved f- for the last what seven or eight years Absolutely. when they had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre, yeah. JJ Redick. Like they had a stacked team there. There's no yeah. reason they shouldn't have been 
in the conference finals year after year competing for an NBA championship. Yeah. But, I mean, there is a reason it's a Golden State Warriors, right, so it's, right. tough, it's tough to say that. Yeah. But I expect a lot more out of Doc, and I hope that he's able to deliver now that he's got a fresh start in Philly. Yeah, I mean, um, you look at some of those like some of those teams, that I guess almost every team Doc's ever coached has been loaded with talent. Yeah. Like, loaded, yeah. and I think that that's what continues to to earn him money and to earn him contracts and time in the yeah. NBA is you got like you have your big three and stuff in Boston. Uh, you have uh, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul in, in Clipperland. Now he's yeah. going to, to Philly where he's got Embiid, Simmons, like all yeah. these guys. It's, it, it, the list goes on. But, I mean, for a team in the 76ers that's been constantly like underachieving based on what, they, what their preseason prediction should be or their struggles against the Celtics or the Raptors, like – they, that that's a team that could easily. I mean, if Kawhi doesn't hit that shot, the Sixers are making some serious noise towards the oh, title yeah, that for year. Sure. They they could win a championship. Yeah, I, the Sixers would have been a problem for for Milwaukee for sure. Absolutely. And I think if the Sixers make the finals, Joel Embiid eats them alive. Yeah. Ben Simmons eats them alive. Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking them, the Warriors. So I, I, they were really close to an NBA championship, yeah. which is you know not easy to say for a lot of other teams. Yeah. So they they have the potential they're getting more pieces to kind of push them in the right direction i do think doc rivers is an upgrade from from brett brown yeah so we'll we'll see what how that materializes there i i do think at the end of the day one of those two gets traded yeah 100%. Um, if i'm if i'm a, if i'm the sixers i part ways with ben simmons because yeah. i just don't you know having Ball dominant players who can't shoot the ball to me is just really, really not ideal. Right. You know, you look at Russell Westbrook, you look at uh, John Wall. You know, how much do those guys really impact winning? And like when I talk about winning, I'm not talking about winning regular season games. We're talking about playoff yep. championships. Yep. Uh, I don't see it. So I would look at Joel Embiid as kind of the cornerstone of my franchise. But I could be biased. Joel Embiid is one of my favorite players in the mm-hmm. NBA. So you know. Don't take my word for it. I, I just think, like, you, who, who's going to break a game open for you? Is it going to be Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? Who's going to be the guy that you can put the ball in their hands and trust that you're going to get a big-time bucket out of them? Yeah. I mean, that's Joel Embiid every time, uh, over yeah. and over and over again. I, I can't I, – I truly can't think of a night where Ben Simmons, like, had a absolutely yeah. outrageous career night that was all over sports. And I mean, no. Joel Embiid's just that guy that brings the excitement. He's going yeah. to put butts in seats. He's going to – get you wins he's going to be a guy that does numbers and goes to the all-star game all-star weekend every year for you and and it's an amazing rim protector like this guy you can't bring weak shots into the paint with this guy like you have to go up ready to dunk everything when he's in there so uh i think having a coach that knows how to use him and i hope doc rivers does because i i don't think brett brown utilized him if you watched the way that their offense was was run through Embiid over the last couple of seasons it really left a lot to be desired so I think he has another step, another, you know, I think he can grow a lot more and we can see a lot more out of him with the right guidance and usage. And I expect that to happen this season. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded, though, because NBA franchises don't value yeah. big men, really. Yeah. yeah. Right. So and if he does get traded, I hope that happens to the Raptors because I think besides, <laughs> besides a big fan, I'm a big fan. I'd love to see him in a Raptors jersey. Absolutely. I uh, I just worry for them that that Doc's championship or or I guess playoff pedigree that's taken a serious hit yeah. uh, in the last several years. Really, I mean, yeah. the last time he really made any kind of crazy noise in, in the playoffs with the team was with those Celtics. Um, I think that 
I mean, <laughs> the Clippers were, were have, have they, been did robbed. Did the Clippers make it out of the second round at all? No, they have no, not. No they, conference finals. They, um, it's crazy. And I think that that's that's not acceptable. I think like they had multiple multiple winning windows, and they they keep missing it. And I mean, it, behind it all has been Doc Rivers. Um, yeah. I I just worry that that hinders the Philadelphia 76ers further and continues to just keep them kind of at a stalemate with where they've been getting to. Yeah, I, so like you really so Doc Rivers is the first and only coach to ever blow two three one leads in the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, which. Blowing a 3-1 lead, you really have to look at coaching, right? Unless there's a significant injury that happens in between, which in both cases there wasn't, mm-hmm. you have to, why are you not making the adjustments, That's right? exactly right. So, to me, there's no excuse for them losing to the Denver Nuggets, especially in the fashion that they did. And you have to wonder, if you're a Clippers fan, what happens if they beat the Nuggets? You know, they, they match up really well against the Lakers. Oh, yeah. I know the Lakers were laughing when, when the Nuggets took care yeah, of absolutely. business. And that's really when they knew they won the championship. 100%. Because right? they, they, they... That was the only threat in the West. Yeah, and and at that point, that was the only threat in the league, right? Yeah. There was Boston, Miami, and then Lakers and Denver. So yeah. if I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at the other three teams, and I'm like, these guys aren't in the same category, right? They're yeah, like, absolutely. We're in a league of life. And Miami did challenge them more than I expected, so great for them. But the, the Clippers could have easily had a championship. I shouldn't say easily. But they were in a position to win a championship, which is very difficult. And they just blew it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to be chopped up to, to poor coaching, poor, you know, poor playmaking, or sorry, poor adjustments by, uh, by the coaching staff. I, I, think, I truly think Doc Rivers played Montrezl Harrell out of more money, to be honest with you. With the way he used them in the, the way in the he playoffs. used him. Yeah. his usage uh, in that in that rotation was absolutely atrocious. I mean, you're you're in a situation where you lose that that game five and it makes it a three two. You're looking at game six like what what are the adjustments that I can make for us yeah. to just be five points better? Mm-hmm. And for me, the ball ran through Montrez Harrell way too much. I think there was way too much stock put in the fact that like he was one of the top six sixth man performers of the year and I mean that's obviously he's one of your guys but I I I just don't I never saw the need or the desire to to go through someone like him as much as possible as much as he did you you don't build Montrez Harrell into your game exactly that's he's gonna score 12 to 16 points a game off hustle plays and off dump offs you don't need to get him the ball yeah which it seemed like the Clippers were trying to do more than they needed to and it really just wasn't working. Um, I, granted, the, the way the Clippers shot the ball, yeah, it's, it's not like they had, you know, the, it really doesn't matter what adjustments you make at yeah. that point. If you're not knocking down open jumpers, and they certainly weren't, it's going to be hard to win basketball games. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that's at game seven, and it really shouldn't have gotten to that point. If you, after losing game five, game six is a must win for, for, oh, for absolutely. the Clippers. So, it went uh, to seven, and that, and I was instantly worried. Yeah. I mean, the, I think they the move with Ibaka was actually huge because that's a guy that can really shore up the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah. A guy like Harrell and Zubats are gonna, are going to bang for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that Serge Ibaka provides you a way better actual protection of the rim. A guy that can actually match up size wise. Um, with, like uh, that was a huge worry they had if they were going to play the Lakers was 
Montrose, Harrell, and, uh, and Zubats were not matching up with McGee, Howard, and Davis all in that front yep. court. You know, so yep. it's it, it was a, it was an important thing to tend to, and I'm glad that they did. But um, yeah, in terms of the Sixers, though, I mean, I, I got to hope that Doug Rivers can turn it around for them. I would love to see. Um, the city of Philadelphia be able to rejoice over their basketball team yeah. in, in, a, in a high capacity again. They deserve um, it. But absolutely. So, Well, it looks like trusting the process is kind of paying off for them. I expect them to be really competitive. Um, what about the Celtics? I knew, you know, Eastern Conference Finals this year. I, I think I think they get back there and stall again. I, I don't think that they really. I don't have. even know if they get back there. I think they stall yeah. before that. Yeah, I when mean, you, like the teams that they're competing against now, they're gonna have a tougher time. Like they're gonna yeah. have to either beat the Nuggets or not the Nuggets. Sorry, the Nets, or they're gonna have to beat the Sixers. Yeah. Or they're going to have to and the, like a healthy Sixers, not, not the Sixers yeah. in the last playoffs, a healthy Sixers team or Milwaukee, and that's, you know. That's not a, a, a foregone conclusion. I don't think Kemba Walker, I was really disappointed with the way that he played. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the Raptors defense really just kind of singling him out. But I don't, I don't know that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are enough. So maybe I'll get your thoughts on that. Um, you know, the Celtics team in a more competitive Eastern Conference, where do you see them kind of what's their their ceiling next season yeah i think i think their ceiling at absolute most is is where they hit this year i think that would be considered a, a wild success for them uh if they were to be able to get back to that point um but like you said i mean the the eastern conferences is only getting better by the day right now i mean um the toronto raptors may fall off um which maybe allows the Celtics count to, on that though i wouldn't either and that's the thing i mean they, they are they better than yesterday i i don't think so but i think that they also have uh, more to come mm-hmm. um but i mean yeah i think the celtics ceiling this year is is maybe an eastern conference finals bid and, and that's you don't see them as a, a championship contender i i don't think so i mean they have a lot of great pieces um, yeah, and I can, will never dispute uh, Jason Tatum's ability to to kind of put that team on his back a little bit with guys like Jalen Brown and stuff like that. But uh, this team, uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be a playoff team. They're arguably gonna be a top five, four or five, I I would think. Yeah. But I I genuinely don't know that you're fearing the Boston Celtics going into yeah. playoff playoff series again this uh, year. Yeah, no. If I'm teams in the Eastern Conference. I look at what Miami was able to do. Like, I love Miami, but if you're the Boston Celtics and you can't get over the hump that is the Miami Heat, then I'm kind of skeptical as to what humps you were able to get over because it it doesn't get any easier to make it to the NBA Finals than beating the Miami Heat, right? They're going to have a tough time with any of those top-tier teams in the East. And, um, you know, I I would be a little bit worried because I don't think they've really done a lot, if anything, to improve their roster this offseason. They've drafted a couple of players who I think are pretty solid players, but I don't know how much of an impact they'll have, Mm -hmm. uh, especially for a team that's already so good. So uh, I'm I'm worried a little bit for them. I fear that they turn into the Clippers of the East a little bit, you know? All the talent to be able to make some noise. Yeah, that's kind of where I see them. Is it just a a team that's always going to be really good, but never really going to be good enough? And, uh, you know, I hope I'm wrong on that because I like – Jason Tatum a lot. I like Jalen Brown a lot. Kemba Walker obviously deserves the world. 
but I don't know if they have the capacity for anything more than they've already achieved. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what that looks like. Um, you know, we'll kind of touch base as the season goes on and keep, keep tabs on their progress. Um, that pretty much covers everything I wanted to get out of the way for now. Did you have any last uh, last bit of housekeeping before we sign off? I mean, for me, it's just God bless the NBA, man. Like, this this yeah. league continually, year in, year out, gives us something to be excited for. It, it, um, really, it really is something special. The, I mean, the offseason is unmatched. It, uh, it's just as exciting as the season. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know any other sport where it's like that. Like, we, we have so much to look forward to and so much to be excited about. And, and, you know, I, I haven't put my phone down in a week just because of everything that's going on with the trades, the draft, the free yeah. agents. So um, it, it, you're right. It's, it's really the best league in the world. And we're so blessed, especially at just where the league is at right now with all of the stars and all of the talent and, and all of the excitement just surrounding the league. We're in a really great spot. Absolutely. And I think that... I mean, COVID with all that it's brought, it's brought its negatives. But I mean, <laughs> you can't complain about this past week in the NBA yet. Yeah. Free agency windows opening, trade uh, trade opportunities opening, draft opening, yeah. ability to sign contracts, uh, lucrative contracts as we've yeah. seen, oh, and, and see good teams get better, bad teams get better, and, yeah. and vice versa. It's it's an exciting time to be an NBA fan, and I'm I'm excited to get this season going again here uh, just here. before Christmas. So yeah, we'll look forward to it. We'll. Uh, We'll touch base again sometime in the coming weeks leading up to the season. We'll probably try and record once more at least before the season starts and just see what the, the rosters are looking like there. There's bound to be a lot more movement. I mean, there's probably been movement since we started recording this, so we'll try and catch up on that. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll touch base with you guys as the or before the season starts. Absolutely. All right.